This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, everybody? We are checking in uh, after a long hiatus here at the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm happy you're joining us. I am happy you are uh, hopefully doing well, and this podcast finds you well. We have had a hiatus because I moved. We finally bought a home. We're very excited about the the purchase, but it took a while to get everything moved, which had to cover some distance and the internet uh, disruptions. Didn't have an office set up and was ill prepared. So things are finally set up, which means content can can start churning itself out again. Finally, have done a couple, uh, you know, YouTube videos that we put up last week on Denzel Ward. This week on uh, draft prospects, myself and Stephen Thomas are going to cover draft prospects each week based on positional needs. If you have not noticed, the OBR is doing a weekly positional breakdown based on what we view as the biggest team needs. So we're looking at free agency. Uh, last week we covered uh, free agency and draft for corners. This week we are covering edge prospects. So we have touched on free agents Carl Lawson. Uh, today I posted on Trey Hendrickson and his potential fit. We'll cover Yannick Ngakwe. will be another one who will go up among many others. We reviewed, Fred Greetham reviewed the, the, the roster currently, where it sits, how they played, those sorts of things. And then myself and Stephen Thomas, as I said, did a YouTube video looking at draft prospects at the position, who will fit, who will not fit based on some some draft tendencies, age, injury history, so on and so forth. So if you have time, and if you could go to our YouTube channel through the OBR, which is going to be some fun new stuff coming out there, make sure you go there and subscribe. And also, while we're here, subscribe to this podcast if you have not already done so through whatever uh, avenue you get your podcasts we always appreciate a five-star review those are very helpful in this process uh, i apologize again i think the last one we did was with doug Maria about two and a half weeks ago talking about some big picture topics and again as we go through this i'm gonna we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Have guests on who are going to look at the big picture with me as well, because I think that is an important you know avenue to guide itself down is how the Browns go from divisional appearance in the playoffs winning their first playoff game to getting to the Super Bowl that's the logical next step how do they get there I want to bring on smart people that can talk about that so we'll get to our guest in just a moment who I think you guys will really enjoy that's ESPN's Jake Trotter friend of mine uh, who does some great work covering the Browns one of the best beat writers covering this team right now so excited to get that interview over to you guys because I think we discuss some really important topics and go down some avenues that are tough 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 sledding for uh, some hard conversations coming up for the Browns. So uh, I think you'll enjoy it. But before we do, we want to talk about the Action Network and opportunities that are there for next year. Because we just crowned a Super Bowl champion and the draft is coming up in Cleveland, which I'm sure you guys are pumped about. You definitely need to start thinking about next year if you're into sports betting. And with a pro subscription through the Action Network, you can absolutely start looking ahead and start making some money. Because this time last year, Tampa Bay was just 22-1 to 1 to win the conference, let alone the Super Bowl. That $20 bet would have got you 400 bucks. Uh, after that cashed out. So the Action Network's where sports fans go to bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, the Action Network app was recently named the Bets Sports App in the business. And with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. The Pro subscription includes Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game in every major sport. You can see the money and bet percentages on every game so you know the teams professional gamblers are betting on. You can take advantage of Pro Systems, which match winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines, and you can track every bet you make and get real-time alerts on those bets. So if you're looking for a chance to get smarter with your money, an Action Pro an Action Network Pro subscription is the best way to get started. And for a limited time, our listeners can receive 50% off an annual Pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com now and receive 50% off an annual subscription when you use the promo code BREAKDOWN. Very easy for OBR Film Breakdown. Use the promo code BREAKDOWN. This offer won't last, so go to actionnetwork.com to sign up for a Pro subscription. Use that promo code BREAKDOWN. Get 50% off and start betting smarter today. So now we shift over to our interview with ESPN's Jake Trotter. And hopefully you guys enjoy this. Here we go. All right. So, Jake, the first thing I want to ask, man, as we as we get started here is kind of you reflecting on this season as you covered football your whole life, man, your adult life. Like, how crazy was it? Did it become normal after a while? Just sort of want your, your feedback on how the Brands, or sorry, the Browns handled the whole disaster of this pandemic, too, and kind of came out on the other side. So just kind of curious on your thoughts on the year in, in general. Yeah, Jake, I mean, personally, obviously, it was a season unlike any other due to the pandemic. I mean, the last time I was at the Browns practice facility was the day of the the Rudy Gobert-Tom Hanks night back in March when, wow. you know, I remember, you know, being up there with a, a you know, few people that, that worked for the team, and we were talking about, you know, is the NCAA tournament, are they going to have fans, you know, the following week? Uh, because a tournament and I was going to be covering it for ESPN. And we we're just talking, you know, basketball and and whatever else. And then, like, the next day the NCAA tournament was canceled and the NFL shortly thereafter went to a virtual offseason. And it's it just been pretty bizarre ever since. But like anything else, you kind of get used to it. And so, but, it, you know, still weird. But as for the, the team itself, I mean, you know, I fully expected, maybe I was in the minority, but – you know, I expected this to be a playoff contender. And, and, 
you know, despite what happened last season, you still looked at the, the talent, uh, particularly the offensive skill positions, and just felt like if Baker could kind of, you know, rediscover himself a little bit, that this could be a team that could knock on the door of the playoffs. And they, you know, they did that and more, uh, winning uh, 11 regular season games. But, you know, I, I think going into the season, the biggest questions for me were, you know, is Kevin Stefanski, he's the guy, you know, the head coach. Uh, can they finally, you know, get some alignment, their word? Uh, you know, from ownership all the way down to the coaching staff, you know, the front office as well. And, you know, is Baker Mayfield going to show that he can be the franchise quarterback? Because that seemed like an obvious answer after his rookie year when he was so fabulous. But, you know, I mean, you had to question it after his second season and for reasons that were outside of his, uh, of his control, including having a fourth head coach in, you know, in three years. And, you know, I think we got, you know, firm answers to, to all of those questions. Kevin Stefanski, the NFL coach of the year, you know, the Browns finally have something there. Uh, you know, Baker Mayfield, the way he played, especially, you know, after week seven uh, from then on, I mean, he was one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL and, and was was terrific in his first playoff appearance uh, as well. And I think you look at the, just the young core, the guys they have under contract, a little bit of flexibility they still have left to upgrade the roster, particularly on the defensive side. I mean, you know, this team is not going anywhere anytime soon, and you can't take anything for granted. And, you know, we'll look back at that Kansas City divisional playoff game and, you know, the Richard Higgins fumble and, you know, could the Browns have gotten a stop there at the end? You know, what might have happened? Um, but I, I think there's reason to believe that they have a very good chance to be back in the same spot, uh, you know, next season, and, and not only next season, but, you know, for the next three, four, or five years. Well, well, as someone who... You know, we, I want to talk Baker because that part stands out to me, stands out to everybody. No matter what happens, Jake, in my opinion, like, you know, things are going to change over the course of the next, say, decade with the Browns. But you need you need Baker to be the figure. You know, I was thinking about this as I watched some stuff on Aaron Rodgers and kind of how he's gone through different running backs, Ryan Grant, Aaron Jones, all these different pieces around Aaron Rodgers over the years. And it's like... You think about this for for Cleveland, it's the biggest thing we'll always remember. You can talk about little trivial things. Are they going to re-sign Nick Chubb or, you know, what things can they do in free agency? But but if Baker's not the guy, it's all a big waste of time, you know, and if he he doesn't figure out what we think he figured out, it's it's a waste of time. They're not going anywhere that they uh, that we that we're having these kind of discussions about, you know, this this offseason's built toward the next steps whatever whatever. Ha- it, to me, the most important thing in all of this is finding staying power between a head coach and a quarterback. So, like, you covered Baker at Oklahoma. It's well documented. You, you you come here after his rookie season when, you know, there was a clear deflating, there was a clear stray from the Baker uh, confidence, leadership, all of the stuff that kind of made him what he, he what he was. Did you see that stuff come back? Like, I guess I'm asking, I know it's virtual, Jake. I know it's hard, man, because you're not around him every day necessarily, but, like, did you start to notice some of those things coming back for him, his confidence, those things that made Baker who he was when you covered him at Oklahoma? Like, did you feel like that stuff was coming back again? And then I kind of am going to kind of piggyback that too. Like, do you see genuine stank? I know we're coming on Brown's podcast. You're not going to crush Baker. I know that. But like, do you feel like you've seen enough to believe that he's going to be the guy moving forward for them? Well, let's look ahead and then we can, we can talk about, the past and kind of everything leading up to this season. And I've been a little bit confused by 
some of the conversation out there of, well, you know, Jared Goff, like, you know, you got to be careful. You, know, you don't want this to turn into a Jared Goff situation. Carson Wentz, uh, you know, you, 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 you better be careful about giving Baker an extension because you could be in, in that situation. Listen, if Baker Mayfield is not the guy, then you're already screwed anyway. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter it, it, whether you give him the contract or not. Makes no difference. You're back to square one, and you know if you don't, if Baker's not a top ten, top twelve, you know ish quarterback in the NFL, which he definitely was last season, and I don't think there's any reason to believe he won't be next year with Kevin Stefanski. Finally, you know, a year, an off season in the same offense it's never happened in his career since he was at Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley. Then, if you don't believe, and if you don't believe that, then like you've got bigger problems at this point and, and you're already going to be trending in the wrong direction. So, um, and everything they did last off season was doubling down on Baker Mayfield. I mean, you don't commit $60 million uh, in guaranteed money to three offensive players, including a backup quarterback. If, you know, to serve basically as a mentor to your, uh, you know, your, your former number one overall pick, you don't believe in him. So I just there's nothing that I've seen that would lead me to believe that they won't at least try to get a deal done um, with Baker this this off season. And I mean, I you know coming into this year, and again, you're right, it's different for me because I'm not in the locker room. I'm not talking to Baker, you know, every day or every other day like uh, I would have or, or did last season. And so it is a little bit uh, more of a challenge to kind of put your finger on the pulse of what is happening. Uh, you know, that was one of the challenges of covering this team remotely. But, yeah, I mean, I, I saw it. I saw Oklahoma Baker back, you know, week, week eight, week nine. I mean, I, 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 he, began, he, he began to resemble the guy that, you know, I covered in college, which he wasn't in 2019. I mean, just you could – nothing seemed fun about what was going on in 2019. And I, I think Baker, you know, lost some confidence, which he admitted to, and – I think he had a hard time being the leader of this team when he wasn't playing well, um, which I think the team really suffered from because there wasn't anybody to kind of step into that leadership void. I mean, you look at what happened this year. I mean, they, they rallied around the guy uh, this year. And that doesn't mean there are other other leaders on the team, but he's just such a crucial one because of his, you know, his personality and the way that he sets the tone. Um, so I, I thought that, you know, I, I didn't know what to make of Kevin, but, you know, I was impressed with him early on. And just kind of knowing the work that Baker was putting in in the offseason, some of the conversations he was having with people, you know, after the season. And, and I, just, I felt like he had a chance to have a nice bounce back here. I mean, the season he had did not really, you know, if I'm going to be honest, surprise me that much. I, I said before the season I thought Baker had a chance to have – a really big bounce back year. If you go from week seven to week 15 before he lost all his receivers in that Jets game, there were only two quarterbacks that had a hard QBR over that span. It was this year's MVP and last year's MVP, Aaron Rodgers and and Patrick Mahomes. So um, I I think, I mean, I think that's the guy you're banking that you have. And, you know, if you're Cleveland and you, you haven't had a franchise quarterback basically since Bernie Kosar, you've gone through 30 different starting quarterbacks coming back to the league in 1999 and now you 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 think you have that guy but all of a sudden you're going to get insecure and unsure about the situation i i don't understand that at all so i think they believe in him and if you believe that he's your guy then you need to do everything you can to make sure that he's around for a long time 
Yeah, I think there's a there's a level of which you trust Baker and show him that you believe in him, and he really appreciates that and reciprocates it instead of waiting to see what his you know picking up the fifth year option, all of that stuff. I, I'm with you. I I believe there's 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 really no reason to keep waiting here. I think you try to make something happen that's beneficial for both ends. I think Baker will be reasonable in those negotiations. So I hope that it comes together, like you said. Well, you talked about Stefanski, you know. From your beginning impression to the end of the year, it's another guy. I just have a question, general question, Jake. Like, is there, you know, because the Browns have had 2007 with Romeo Cannell, then 2008 happens, and and it's a, it's a wash. People thought they'd come back strong. 2008, 2014 happens. Mike Pettin doesn't come back as is perform well in 2015. Like, is there genuine staying power? You've been around great head coaches, so like, do you believe Kevin has what it takes to build a long term winner in Cleveland? Like, what parts of him? stand out to you as a guy that can do this thing for, for the for, like foreseeable future? Yeah, I mean, let's start with what is around Kevin. And, you know, you, you, you brought up, you know, past coaches I've covered. I mean, you go, you go back to Oklahoma uh, and, and Northeast Ohio native Bob Stoops. It, Bob Stoops had the same president and the same athletic director his entire tenure at Oklahoma. And I think that you see in, in the Browns of not had this like at all for a very long time. But, you know, you look at Andrew Berry, general manager, you look at Paul D. Podesta, you look at Kevin Stefanski. I mean, they are all on the same page. I mean, they, they you know, they had a plan last off season, you know, they executed it. They got the, the guys that Kevin wanted, you know, to run his offense. Um, it just, it worked very seamlessly. So, you know, I think Kevin is obviously is very talented as a head coach. I mean, he demonstrated that this, this this year, despite you know unprecedented obstacles and challenges, and you guys really bought in and believed in him. And I mean, you don't really see this very you know happen as quickly as it did, but I think really uh, took on his personality, this unflappable, unwavering, you know, cool, collected bunch. Which was, I mean, that's not what the Browns were last year by any uh, well. In, 2019 by any uh, stretch of the imagination. So, um, you know, I, I think it's the, the the continuity that it looks like the Browns are going to have around him, and then just Kevin, you know, his his own talent um, that that I think is gives this an opportunity to work really well for a very long time. He certainly isn't one to micromanage people. He he, he seems to be one that actually gives people a task, lets them do their thing, lets them take their approach and thrive with it. So I kind of got to thinking about this in the offseason, something you might not have even thought much about or anybody really, but like before the year he talked about Alex Van Pelt handling play calling duties and, you know, he, he kind of seemed like he was on the verge of letting him do that. Didn't happen. The wild card comes. He's forced to, to let AVP do it. It seems like it goes really well. Do you think, you know, most of these guys who run the Shanahan Kubiak system call their own stuff. Like, do you think there's a, a way in which he allows – uh, you know, Alex Van Pelt to handle that duty, or do you think he will always be a hands-on offensive play caller? Because, you know, th- I'm not going to lie, that's one of the funnest parts of coaching is calling plays and being responsible for that stuff. So I'm just kind of curious your thoughts on if AVP has a future calling plays here, just kind of as a way to perhaps even keep him around long-term. Yeah, so, I mean, coming into this past off season. Yeah, I think that the intention was for, for AVP to be the play caller. I mean, I think that was the plan. And then, you know, the world completely changed and there were no preseason games. And, you know, I think ultimately that led Kevin to making the call that he did, you know, where he was going to call, um, you know, his offense. And, 
So, I mean, I really haven't had any conversations yet. Um, you know, still pretty early in the off season about the potential for what you suggest. But I, I will say this. I mean, ADP shows what kind of play calling shots he's got mm-hmm. in that Pittsburgh game. I mean, they lit them up and, and, you know, turnovers helped and, uh, you know, Pittsburgh definitely set the table for Cleveland in that game, you know, starting with their, their was it the first offensive snap? Um, yeah. But uh, I, uh, I, I think that, that, you know, Van Pelt has had an incredible game calling play. So was it the, that was the game with the, uh, the screen pass to Chubb that basically clinched it at the end. I mean, perfect play call in that situation. So uh, I, I, I don't know what the plan is right now. Um, I don't, I don't know if there's any plan for them to change what works so well. I mean, the Browns were a top six offense in terms of efficiency. You know, do you want to meddle with that too much? But I think, I think AVP has got a very bright future, you know, calling plays at some point, whether that's, uh, you know, Cleveland or eventually somewhere else. I'm with you. I think it's an interesting caveat, something worth paying attention to. So, you know, as I kind of wrap up talking to you about offense, I'm curious, there's, there's kind of a, there's a large cloud hanging over this stuff, Jake, and it's it's not a serious cloud. It's just kind of off in the distance. It's it's the, the wide receiver situation. So they're, they're not perfect. I've tried to answer this question for people who have asked me about Odell. I don't have a great answer for it, man. I, the data is weird. The data started after the interception and, and Odell tears his ACL, and Baker becomes this different quarterback. Now, could is there a reality in which Odell gets up from that tackle is fine and Baker still goes for five touchdowns and takes off the rest of the year? Yeah, that's certainly plausible. But it is weird that it coincides with with Odell being off the field. And, and, and there's there's two big contracts in that, that wide receiver room, right? There's Jarvis and there's Odell. There's two guys getting paid very handsomely. And uh, there's an, an efficiency issue going on there. There's no doubt about it. They were fine offensively. You talked about their overall efficiency, which I agree. But they have some guys who kind of cross they kind of cross into each other's territory. Jarvis Landry operates middle of the field, average, intermediate, short areas, the same way a lot of their tight ends do. Austin Hooper, David Njoku, Harrison Bryan, all of those guys kind of feel like they congest in the same area. So it's like, is there a world in which, let me ask you this this way, is there a world in which 2021 happens and neither of those guys are on the Browns? Or is it, or is it, in your opinion, this is just kind of an opinionated thing here. Like they need to run it back one more year with both of these guys and see if there's something actually there before they make some big decision like that. Because some people will argue that you know Jarvis Landry brings all these other elements, the leadership, the toughness, and I do I do agree with that. But is it enough that if you replaced him with somebody more efficient, a little bit better separation, better top end speed, that your offense unlocks a new level? So I'm kind of interested in your take on Jarvis and your take on where Odell kind of sits going into into 2021. Yeah, I mean, it is a fascinating situation. I, th- I think that they're probably going to be forced to bring back both next year. Um, you know, the, the, due, due in large part to Odell's injury, you know, he's got an injury guarantee in his contract. Um, you know, the whole thing's going to be guaranteed anyway uh, next month, uh, you know, $15 million, uh, plus. And I just don't think they're going to get any value in a trade for him. You know, I've, I've sort of asked around. I mean, I think a first-round pick is a fantasy that they would be able to get for him. I, I know people have thrown that out there, but no one I've talked to thinks that's an even remote possibility right now, especially, you know, him rehabbing from another injury. And, you know, I I don't think it was a coincidence that Baker played better the moment that Odell went out. I just, I just don't. I mean, the question is, is whether they can play to, you know, 
whether that they, they, they can figure it out going forward, which I, I think could definitely happen. But I mean, you just it was like over. It was like immediately, you know, Baker was a completely different quarterback. Um, and and just the 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 on off splits with Odell, the QBR, the the um, you know completion percentage, the accuracy that Baker had targeting Odell versus other receivers. You know, not only this year but last year, and then. I mean, I think we have enough of a sample size if you include the rookie season uh, for Baker and then last year that Baker has been a better quarterback without Odell in the field. Now, what are the reasons for that? I mean, because it is hard to explain because it's not it's not blaming Odell for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Odell, we saw in the Dallas game, you know, he's still a game-breaking you know, playmaker that, can, and that, that the Browns certainly could have used in the playoffs, you know, against somebody like Kansas City, but you know, I think that for whatever reason, whether Baker realized it or not, or, you know, subconscious, it just feel like, it feels like to me watching them and then just talking to, you know, people around the building that, that it's just, he was in, it, it was in Baker's head, you know, when Odell was out there. I got to get the ball to Odell. He hasn't touched it in four plays. I got to get him the ball. I got to... You know, I got to force it to him here in this particular situation instead of just, you know, going through my progression and just playing ball, which is what he did after Odell got hurt. You know, I've got, it just seemed like it was in Baker's head and, and it affected the way he played. And, you know, Baker's a, you know, a, you know, a precision oriented, timing oriented quarterback. Um, and that's why, you know, somebody like Richard Higgins works so well with Baker. You know, Odell is kind of a freelancing playmaker. I mean, their chemistry has not worked very well. I mean, I wrote about it the week after the Cincinnati game, and I had the advantage of watching those final three quarters where Baker was just unreal. Um, that I thought Baker, I didn't know if the Browns were going to be better off necessarily because Odell commands so much attention from the defense, but I just thought that Baker was going to be better without Odell. And I think that was bared out in the way that Baker played uh, over the next few months without Odell. So, I mean, I, I, I think they're. You know, here's the question that I don't know the answer to, but Baker, as we said earlier, you know, is a lot more confident now. Really established himself this year in a way that you know he had not before. So, can, is, ba- is Baker a different player than the one that Odell has played with? And can Baker be the guy that we saw the back half of the season with Odell now? And incorporate Odell's talent in a way that doesn't affect his own rhythm, Baker's rhythm. And I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But I, I think that the Browns, I think they're going to be forced to see because they're just not going to be able to trade Odell. But I think they're curious to see as well. You know, can, can, can this finally work out? And, and unless Andrew Barry and, and Kevin Stefanski, you know, are saying one thing publicly and then something completely different privately, they, I think they believe that, you know, they have a, a higher – with Odell and, and want to see what that looks like next year. And, and the weird thing is, like, Baker and Odell's relationship has been good throughout all of this. I mean, they have publicly had each other's back, never heard one problem with them, you know, behind the scenes at all. Um, you know, I, I think that they've always been really complimentary of one another. And it's just – it's weird. It just has not worked out very well. So um, there is no doubt that, that Odell – raises Cleveland's ceiling for, for 2021, but you know, he, because of what we've seen with, with Baker and him, the floor might be a little bit lower as well. There's, there's a little bit more volatility, 
volatility and areas with, with Odell as part of the offense. And um, it is going to be interesting to see what happens, what happens there. And then, you know, I, I don't think that they can, you know, fi- financially you would like to pay less to the receiver position than you do right now, especially if you're a running team that, you know, uses tight ends more than any other offense in the league. It's not ideal uh, to be committing so much money to that position. And then, you know, you're going to be able to bring Richard Higgins back now because he's not taking the minimum. Um, so it, it's a tricky situation. You know, the cleanest thing would be to me is if you could, you know, if you could trade Odell, you know, for a real asset that helps your defense. Um, and then you kind of move forward with the, 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 the chemistry, the synergy you had offensively this past season. That, that to me would make a lot of sense. I just don't think that trade is going to be out there. Yeah, listen, there's a lot to unpack there. I think you made a point that I have not heard anyone really make, which is the the obvious point that I think you touched on when you wrote about it, I've wrote about it some, and some other smart folks have wrote about it too, which is, is, is Odell not on the field helping Baker in a sense of trusting the timing the way he normally likes to function? You know, it's not always forcing Odell the ball, but it's also kind of worrying about where he is subconsciously noticing little things that take your mind off of what they should be going through as a quarterback. Because as you know, when the ball snapped, it's it's just a speed burst of adrenaline, and, and you have to be so muscle memory-based that you have to just know with your eyes and your mental capacity where I'm supposed to go with the football, where I'm supposed to be, uh, and, and the right timing to be there. And I think there is an element to which Odell can do well, go some... Back, go go back ahead. to the Denver game 2019. Remember yeah. the Denver game, fourth and four. Yep. Uh, Browns lose that game 24-19. They're, they're driving with a chance to win there at the end. Yep. And, you know, Baker got absolutely crushed on, you know, all the debate shows the next day because he, he didn't throw the ball to Odell, who's running wide open down the sidelines. Remember that play? Oh, yeah. Well, Odell ran the completely, uh, I don't want to say wrong route, but not the route that Baker was expecting. You know, Odell was, was supposedly supposed to, you know, run across the field and rub with Jarvis to, to spring one of them open, you know, for the first down. And, you know, Baker looks over there. You walk, go back and watch the field and uh, film and double clutches. And it's like, he's unsure what Odell is doing. And, you know, if it happened in that situation, you have to believe it happened a lot more often than we probably know. So that, that type of stuff, I think really messes with Baker at times, but particularly if that was happening in, in critical moments like that which is which is the great point i thought you built off of that which is now that baker feels more comfortable maybe some of that bravado returns maybe he knows like because i've said this publicly they started to throw everything they're a run-oriented offense they the the nature of the the system they have is run-based but from week nine eight nine on they were they everything was baker driven and they were everything they were doing Baltimore game. They, they were not trying to win those games on the ball. No, absolutely not. And even the Pittsburgh game, they got out in front until they figured out some run kinks. They were throwing the football. Like they're they I think they went into the back half of this year saying, like, what does Baker have? What do we have with Baker? Let's put it on his shoulders. If it fails, we know what we need to do. We need to, to probably start looking at quarterbacks. If he steps up to the plate, we know that we might have something here. So that comes back to your original point, and the point I really liked when you when you answered this question, which is is Baker now more confident, trusts his line more? You know, he got rid of, he shedded some of those, he shed some of those bad habits that we were seeing, the bail pocket stuff, the panicked feet in the pocket. It started to trickle away midseason as he's like, oh yeah, I don't have 
Greg Robinson and 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 some other issue with Chris Hubbard at the I got like five dudes in front of me that I can trust and I thought everything about him calmed down the second half of the season and that carried into better quarterback play so now that he calms down trusts himself knows where he's going within an offense is he able to mentally handle Odell doing some things, some quirky things, like he can get more timing with him. He can spend more time getting inside of Odell's brain. Hey, man, if I get down coverage here, I'm going to take off. Just look at me. We'll know, nod. Those little things. Is Baker, now that the game has slowed down for him, because I do think it's slowed down for him, is he able to handle Odell in a sense of the way he couldn't in 2019 in the first portion of 2020? That is an interesting question you posed in a really interesting way to frame it. So if they think that is something that is it is there for the taking, running it back is right because I, I think you're spot on too, man, where there's not going to be some great trade out there. Like I think if they genuinely are forced to move him, they feel like they have to do this, they got to move him, it's like a third-round pick. Like I just Maybe they get a second. But I think that would be the best-case scenario, honestly. It, it really yeah. would. It, like, it, you're, you're spot yeah. on. I don't think that there's some deal out there where they get – even a high second. Like, I just don't know because teams don't know. He's got an ACL issue. He's obviously struggled in two years. He has not put up the production that we knew from the New York version of this guy. He's been injured. He's got an injury history now over a prolonged period of time. So I think it's best they run it back. I think it's just best they try to figure this thing out, run it back, and see what's there because it could be something really special still if you have this version of Baker moving forward. I cannot pound home how great a point that is because I haven't even thought I hate it when I don't think of things and you do or someone else does that's a great that's a great way to think about it so kudos to you here's the other part Jake I mean Odell had you know Odell was watching the game oh yeah he was watching the team completely take off without him you know that's that had to be on some level a little bit humbling for him and so you know what kind of attitude does he bring to the training camp that might be you know how can I help this team, you know, be better versus, well, clearly they, you know, they, they, they stunk without, like they need me more than I need them. I think, I mean, I think that, you know, patently was, uh, you know, proven not to be the case last year. I, I'm fascinated by it. It's, it's, it's what he, he's mentioned some things on social media that are interesting to me. Um, but there should absolutely be, no diva status with that stuff. Like, hey, man, if I if my ultimate goal, which I have said many, many times when I've sat in front of the press, is to win. I just want to win. I just want to win no matter what it takes. We'll show that. Show that you'll do that because you do have a real team here that can win. And you have it in a way you did not have in New York. It's a team that has proven that they can go to the next round in the playoffs. And they're just they're, they're a guy like Prime Odell away. They need that guy back. If they get that guy back who can separate, who can take the lid off the top of defenses and can go for 150 in a playoff game and a couple touchdowns, that's the difference in beating Kansas City and not beating them. So the opportunity meshed with the right player at the right time for the right franchise that needs that type of guy should be exciting for Odell. So I'm I'm all in, man. I think it, it could be extremely interesting. And you, I just want to say again, great points. I'll, I'll leave you with this. Defensively, we know that there are a myriad of issues. What, in your opinion, do they have to improve through free agency, through the draft? Like, what guys do they have to, Not I shouldn't say guys, what positions have to be solidified if they're going to become a more competent defense? Yeah, every level of the defense, basically. Um, you know, and, and I think we're going to have a better feeling about, you know, where the biggest holes are after, you know, we, we see what happens 
happens with the guys they have coming back or, you know, their own free agents. But, I mean, they, they basically go one of three directions with the draft. Um, and, and, you know, it's been a while since they picked this low in a draft. You know, last year we knew they had to take a left tackle, right? I mean, like everybody knew. Yeah. You know, we didn't know which guy was going to necessarily be. It was going to be one of those four left tackles. They were going to take that guy. You know, they have a little bit of flexibility now because, you know, they, they have a lot of needs defensively, but none or as glaring as left tackle was for the offense last year. And then, you know, we're trying to, you know, support the quarterback, uh, which made it even more of a pressing need. You know, I, they, they can, you know, get another pass rusher to, to, compliment Miles Garrett, you know, get a young young pass rusher. Um, you know, they can get a, you know, a Devin Bush type linebacker. You might have to trade up, but, you know, that to me would, would fill a huge, I mean, you just look at what happened in the Super Bowl, you know, in, in the Tampa linebackers and what they were able to do to Kansas City in that game. And then what Kansas City was able to do to Cleveland's linebackers, you know, um, you know, a few weeks before. Or, you know, they can really look to solidify the safety position um, which is, you know, you, you, you've got something in Ronnie Harrison, um, but if you're just relying on Grant Delpit, that is a roll of the dice because the guy was turning heads in training camp, but he is you know, coming off a major major injury with the, the Achilles and, you know, don't know if he can play at the NFL level yet. You know, he's yet to, yet to prove anything. So, um, you know, some good safety prospects where they're going to be drafting. So you, you have the opportunity to really – you know, kind of solidify your secondary, you know, early on in the draft. It's a really good quarter draft, which I, I'm sure you've probably seen, um, you know, not necessarily at the top, but kind of just in terms of its depth. So I, I think you can get, you know, another corner or two in the, you know, the second round, the third round, the fourth round. Um, so then, you know, do you, do you, you know, you try to get that, you know, that, that, uh, you know, the, the, that linebacker that can cover, you know, that brings some athleticism to the group. Do you, you know, go get a, a pass rusher or, you know, do you, um, you know, you draft the safety and then you've got a really good trio in, in Ronnie and in Delpit and, you know, whoever you draft that can, you know, really solidify that position, uh, you know, going forward. So I, I think those are the directions they can go in the draft and, you know, might just depend on what happens in front of them you know, that might, you know, force their hand. Uh, in terms of free agency, you know, they, they they're not going to have the money to do what they did last year. You know, go yeah. out and get an All Pro right tackle. You know, go out and get a Pro Bowl tight end. I mean, I think if they can get one impact guy like that, um, you know, that that would be a positive. I just I don't know. It, it's so dependent on what they do with these extensions, right? You know, you can't you can't uh, you know make Baker Mayfield one of the highest paid players in the league and then ex- extend Denzel Ward and then do the same thing with Nick Chubb and then, you know, spend, you know, $30 million in free agency, right? I mean, you know, at some point, you know, you're not going to have, um, you got to keep that flexibility to, to keep, uh, you know, keep uh, extending your guys internally. And, and Andrew Barry said, you know, they're going to transition from being, you know, I, I think beginning this year, uh, or really beginning with Miles Garrett, you know, going from a team that's looking on the outside to trying to keep, you know, their players on the inside. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know, you know, what, what kind of money they're going to be able to, to, to dole out in free agency, but I, I think they're going to be aggressive, and you know, I, I think that this is going to be, it would not stun me if they draft, you know, everybody, every player they took in the draft was a defensive player this year. I mean, it, that, that's, that's what they've got to do. 
Um, you've got good quarterbacks in the AFC. They've got to get more guys that can cover. They just don't have enough of them right now. And I, I think that, um, you know, will continue to be their downfall unless they uh, address it. I'm with it. I think that there's some there's some rollover cap money there that is confusing people on how much they actually have year-to-year spending. And, um, you know, that rollover comes from years of not hitting the – peak of the salary cap number and you use it you lose it so maybe they think there's an all-in situation here and that's what that money's there for a one-year situation where they feel like they have the stars aligned and everyone's all in and they can use it for a year or two before some long-term extensions like miles kicks in and some others others they might sign but you're spot on about the draft it's going to be defense heavy it'll be fascinating to see what value uh, guys they take early on and how they value linebacker, whether they bring back B.J. Goodson, what kind of difference Andrew Billings makes up front. There's some key decisions to be made. I'll, I'll ask you this real quick, too, before we go, Jake. Joe Woods, blank slate next year. Like, where are you at with him? I, I certainly think he was given a tough hand, especially coming in, trying to implement a system with some personnel that he probably did not think totally fit. So uh, i just kind of interested what you thought of Joe and, and, and where you kind of go with him into year two. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. And you got to remember, I mean, they didn't have Miles Garrett for several weeks. They didn't have Denzel Ward for different points in the season. And, you know, those, those are your two best players. You lost, you know, somebody like Delpit in, in training camp and Greedy Williams in training camp. And, um, you know, they, they had a lot of, you know, uh, juggling they had to do defensively. And, you know, the, the personnel was what it was. And, um, I, I, I mean, obviously you want to see the season get better. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, I'm with you. I mean, there was just, it, this was such a weird season and there were so many obstacles and challenges. And, um, you know, I, I want to see what he's able to do in year two, particularly with some upgrades at the, you know, particular positions. Well, listen, he's Jake Trotter. He's at ESPN. You read his work. You're following him. He's the best doing it right now. I appreciate it, Jake. You taking some time for me, man. Overcoming some Skype issues here. You're the man. <laughs> Sounds good, Jake. And that's a wrap for this episode today, guys. Shout out to Jake Trotter for taking time to join us. And a shout out to you for taking time out of your day to listen to this podcast. Always greatly appreciated. Again, subtle reminder, make sure you subscribe to this pod, rate and review it. Always appreciate that stuff. Always appreciate you going to the OBR, signing up for a subscription because this is the hot time for rumors. Lane Atkins got them covered. You're going to get all sorts of juicy tidbits on what's going on inside the building in Berea leading up to key decisions made in free agency, key decisions made in the draft. You won't find better content in terms of draft coverage, in terms of free agency film studies, in terms of positional reviews. We will eventually get this Baker Mayfield film room up at some point. I promise you that. It's coming. I don't know when, but it'll it'll get posted in the next week or so. We'll, We'll keep our fingers crossed. A lot of work to do there. But anyway, at this point, thank you for joining us. Appreciate all the support. Hopefully you have a great weekend. We will catch you next week. And until then, go Browns. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful, time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale 
at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.